Uh, hey everyone, I'm Joe, this month's host of The Commentarians. And I'm Joshua Sherman. And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi everyone, welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Uh, hey everyone, Joe here, uh, this month's host of The Commentarians, and I'm here with Joshua Sherman. How you doing, Joshua? I'm doing all right. Just uh, wrapping my head around this topic because there's so many different moving parts to it. It's a little bit hard to feel like my feet are on the ground. I'm sure you're probably feeling the same. Yeah, so many moving parts, not unlike what we're going to be talking about, the actual yep. object that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Why don't you tell us, uh, you've spoken to us about your... Uh, your podcast, but why don't you tell us again? Because uh, uh, I'm yeah. really, really enjoying that. Oh man, thank you. It's uh, pretty new. Uh, so launched a couple months ago. I've got uh, the first ten episodes now out there. So if you really feel like binging things, you can. Uh, it it actually would take you just about an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they're pretty short episodes. Uh, you try to keep them about five to seven minutes and just focused on different facets of the gospel. Uh, I feel like. The church has taken a, a pretty simplistic view of the gospel because it's easy to remember and it's easy to use when you're talking with people you don't know and you're just trying to, you might have 30 seconds of their attention. Um, but I think there are some issues when that kind of has replaced really our, our, our understanding of the fullness of the gospel from scripture uh, in a lot of people's minds. And so I'm just trying to kind of you know tease out different details around, well, what does this mean? What did that mean in context? And mm. what do we see when we look at the big picture in the Bible? And you know, what were we created for? What's our destiny? And how does that fit in? All those kinds of things. Uh, yeah. So really, um, it's really been good. It's called Tending Our Nets. And uh, that is part of Raven Creek. So yeah, Brothers in Arms. Yeah, <laughs> which speaking of, uh, we were going to be talking a bit about the right to bear arms and uh, gun control and, and all of these things uh, with this film. So, yeah. I'll, you know, Joe will introduce that, of course. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I did I want to mention that what I really do appreciate about what you're doing is uh, on a different topic altogether. But the whole idea of why we don't follow certain rules, a lot of and I hate I hate it when former evangelical pastors who are now progressive Christians, bring up the idea that we don't, we mix fabrics now, we eat pork, and why don't, right. why do we do that? And I'm like, you're a pastor. You should know this. I shouldn't know this because I'm just a person and the church doesn't teach that enough. But, right. you know, and I think that you do that with your podcast. You haven't hit that po that yet, but a lot of things yeah. that you've talked about, really you delve in and you explain things that... We're not taught in churches, which is why I love the podcast so much. Oh, thank you. Well, and it's, it's, it's also, I feel like in a way it's frustrating because it's just like, why don't we talk about this in church, yeah. you know? But um, I, I think there's just a lot of, um, there's a real sense of just trying to kind of help people uh, find inspiration for their daily life. Mm -hmm. and, and that's important, um, but... 
we just don't want to lose sight of the mission the church is on as well. Uh, yeah. So um, I think trying to bring that kind of back to the fore and and really, you know, jumping into it. And, and you know, it's, uh, I feel like the more that we understand the different angles on it, the, the easier it is to talk with people about it because you find those things that connect to where someone's at. Right. Uh, and then that can bring the further conversation and really get them engaging with the core of the gospel when they're already kind of, you know, feeling primed to it rather than just like, here's, <laughs> it's like a cold call, you yeah. know, <laughs> Hey, do you know Jesus? You know, <laughs> uh, but, those that can work. Uh, and, and I, I love that we have people that do that. We need to do that, but, um, that doesn't work as well when it's people you already know, because yeah. they kind of look at you like the prophet from their hometown and just don't <laughs> care what you say, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so that is tending our nets, uh, a part of the Raven Creek family. So I uh, check that out. I, I love that they're short, so that you can get as many in as possible within like sh- a short amount of time and you get so much information and it's really entertaining and short enough that you can ingest the information and not to be overwhelmed. I really love that. Thanks. <clears throat> so we uh, this month we're doing uh, The Armor of Light, uh, a documentary uh, about uh, both Rob Schenk, who is a pro-life pastor who is exploring the Christian point of view of guns. Uh, and also uh, it uh, follows uh, Lacey Macbeth, who is a mother who lost her child to gun violence and her kind of, um, I would say her activism in trying to change policy. I think we're going to talk yeah. about that. The difference, because uh, what, we've, what we've noticed is that there's a difference between what the pastor wants and what the filmmaker wants. And, uh, you, you could tell yeah. that in the making of the movie and what the pastor says. So that's an interesting perspective. Um, so it is a movie. It is uh, from uh, 2015. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get started on it soon. But we d- I did want to talk about a few things. First of all, I saw this movie in Hollywood. And it turned out that the filmmaker was there, the director. Uh, and it was a really interesting conversation. A thing that a lot of people from Hollywood will say is how much they hate Q and A's. They hate Q and A's with the filmmaker because the audience doesn't want to learn about the film. They want everyone else to know how smart they are. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, you'll go to a a movie and then some, you know, film school nerd will stand up. uh, Excuse me. uh, But uh, in the third act, uh, I saw a a, a scene that was reminiscent of Kurosawa's early work. And uh, uh, I'm not talking about the (laughs) stuff everyone here knows. I'm talking about earlier stuff that isn't available to most people because I'm a film student and and they just want to, they want everyone to know what they know or that they're smart. And that happened here. I I was talking to uh, Joshua before we recorded that, uh, I literally saw this in a practically empty theater, five people, two groups of friends over here, two groups of friends over there, and myself. And then when the filmmaker came out to take questions, both people, I didn't get a chance to ask my question because both groups gave a lecture about what they believed about guns. And they just spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke. And then when the second person group, they asked their question, they went on and on to the point where the first group they said, excuse me, but uh, this is a Q&A. Can you wrap it up soon? And they're like, <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm sorry. And then they asked their question. You had your monologue. Why yeah. can't I? <laughs> and then 
But then after that, the first person who asked a question asked another one in their own lecture. So they had another lecture go on. And it, that's just the kind of thing that happens in Hollywood. But I did want to mention well, it's, that... It's so quintessential on this issue, too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's two sides that just want to talk about what they think and don't really care to listen at all. Exactly. And so the filmmaker is very pro-choice. Uh in the Q&A, she talked about how uh, Rob Shank, his, uh, and we'll talk about this in the film, but he has an organization called Faith in Action, which is a pro-life movement. It was losing money because of the stance he was taking, and she was joyous about that because it's pro-life. They try to, you know, influence and talk to uh, uh, politicians about the pro about being pro-life, and they were losing money, and so. Yeah, they. She was so happy that he was, you know, that his organization was losing money, and so you're going to see that a lot in this film. Uh, so, yeah, and and then we should also mention a few things of our own beliefs, right? Yeah, um, I figure it's probably good to baseline a little bit on this because you're going to definitely hear some of our own opinions on this, and um, we don't uh, necessarily agree a hundred percent on everything, but we're we're just trying to approach this. Uh, as as brothers in Christ, we're trying to approach this as people that that care about what Jesus had to say, what the Bible has to say about how we're we're to live our lives and uh, and the mission that we're on and and all of that. <clears throat> and um, I, I think it's it's helpful to just kind of recognize some of those kind of um, where we're coming from. So um, I didn't grow up with guns, um, but uh, I you know eventually ended up deciding that that I did want to purchase something myself when I was. An adult, uh, and so you know, I am a gun owner. I do, um, I, I do see reasons why why that makes sense. Um, but I also see a lot of things within you know what what we often hear called the gun culture uh, that I don't feel like reflect the the heart of Christ and and what we're kind of the the way we're supposed to be seeing the world and living very well. Uh, so, uh, on, on the one hand, you'll, you'll hear me say things where you'll think, wow, that guy's really, he's like a pro gun, crazy person. Uh, and then on the other hand, you're going to be like, why isn't he anti-gun? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but you know, hopefully, you know, kind of through it, you, you know, you, you get to kind of see a little bit of why I, I kind of, uh, take, uh, take stances where I do, uh, especially when we start talking about biblical interpretation, because I feel like most people just proof text from the Bible. They don't really try to sit and listen to it. Uh, and we'll try to do that a little bit today. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll disagree with probably half of what I say, depending on where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, I should mention also myself, uh, nobody, uh, will be surprised by this if you've heard the podcast for a while, but I'm super duper liberal. <laughs> I'm, I don't believe in banning guns, of course, uh, that, you know, but I do believe in stronger gun control issues. Uh, but, you know, that that's probably neither here nor there in this topic, because for me, if a person says, I believe in this thing, in in loosening gun issues here, or the, I believe this about guns, and I will say, okay, well, let's talk about this on a, uh, you know, on a, on a, uh, I'm sorry, let's talk about this on a, on a, you know, on a political level, on a political level. But if a Christian yeah. says the same thing, I will say, "How? Oh, well, that's different, because as a Christian, shouldn't we think this? Yeah, I mean, policy is right. fine over here, 
if you believe that. But as a Christian, I think that you might be a little misguided. You might have to think about this differently. And so I do believe in certain things, but I'm more concerned with how Christians view guns uh, on a spiritual level and on a biblical level. Mm. And that's where I kind of want to, that's what I want to kind of discuss with this film today. So, uh, and again, yeah. I, and I should mention that although I do believe in stricter gun control measures, I want to own a gun. And I'm wondering, because a big thing I want to talk about today is fear and how Christians have fear for lots of things. Mm -hmm. But I'm also worried with the fact that the reasons I want to own guns might be based on fear. And so I have to kind of watch out for that myself. Uh, Why I want to own a gun. And maybe it might not be wrong, uh, but the reasons why might have to change. So, or I might have to wait until I deal with those issues first. So, yeah. Well, and it's a complicated thing too, because, you know, uh, there's a difference between, you know, talking about whether someone should be able to own something as a, you know, that it should be available to them or, uh, or it's a right they have versus like reasonably for that particular person. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Right. You know, so, um, you know, one of the things you have to think about if you're if you're, you know, taking it seriously is is really saying, you know, like if I have this and I'm in a situation where I might need to use it, would I be willing to? Mm-hmm. And that's a question that will keep you up at night. Yeah. If and, you're honest about it. Right. Yeah. And why I would want to would feel OK to do that. Because if you're very adamant about, yeah. yes, I will kill anyone who breaks into my house as opposed to, hey, I, I, you know, I might have to use this. I don't want to, but I need to protect my family. Right. Those are two. Those are things we have to think about. And uh, mm-hmm. so we will be. Yeah. If, you, if you're too gung ho, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> if you're too shy, you probably shouldn't. Just, yeah. Uh, somewhere in the middle is that, that question of like, yeah. okay, like this might be a reasonable thing, but then you have to really weigh it out. So. Right. So let's get into the yeah. movie again. Like I said, uh, the armor of light right now, as of this recording, it's available on Amazon prime. Uh, it's available to rent everywhere else. So uh, 96% mm. on rotten tomatoes because you know, a lot of critics are liberal, and they very much enjoy the message of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think they may, maybe they misunderstood what the pastor actually was trying to say. Like, but we'll talk about that as well. So uh, we are paused on all zeros, and we're here to get started. Like, like always, I'm going to say three, two, one, play, and you press play. But if you're not watching the movie, then that's okay because you can listen to the conversation as always. Uh, so, and it's not going to, you know, whether you're watching the movie or not, it's not going to change the. Uh, the, you know, your enjoyment of the conversation, I hope. So let's get started. Okay. Ready? And three, two, one, play. Okay. We're seeing an arrow Music. film strip fork films. Is that what you got? Hey, we're in sync. Yeah. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. So, oh, please speak about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is really interesting and awkward because it feels like what the filmmaker wants to do with this is to say what we need to do is we need to enact gun control. And it's a it's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer who chose to act 
by being part of a plot to try to blow up Hitler. Right. Uh, so it's a very <laughs> like kind of ironic way to use that. And I don't know if they fully understood what they were doing when they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's an important thing that, you know, we can't be silent. We can't be filled with inaction when there are important things that need to be done. So yeah. I can I can understand, you know, using that for that purpose. Right. Now, the, the quote was, uh, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. So. Uh, oh, yeah, we should say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, it could be used in by many people for many different ways. It's, you know, without even mm-hmm. understanding what Bonhoeffer was trying to say. So, uh, yeah. So it's opening on the pastor, uh, Pastor Rob Schenk, uh, who was a or is very much a pro-life activist, but was very his methods were much different in the late 80s, early 90s. There's video of protests in front of a Planned Parenthood clinic where there are pro-choice folks and them pro-life people. And we, I mean, this this is just, it's a really passionate, very violent protests happening here, uh, as we see. And uh, he's talking about how they would, they would do things that would break the law, in fact, to try to stop, but they, but he says, he specifically says, but it would always be nonviolent. We would never resist mm-hmm. arrest. We would never hurt anyone, although some people would, you know, but we would actually get hurt in our protests, but we wouldn't respond. Uh, and he, you know, he's very, he's actually holding a, a statue of a fetus in his hand, uh, which sickens some people on the other side. Yeah. And, but he, like, you know, they're kind of presenting him as very pro-life. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and he, he's actually making the point. He's holding this statue of a fetus, and he says, how is this a political issue? How is this mm-hmm. at all political? We're talking about a dead child. And and he's actually, it looks like he's being arrested because of, you know, he's obstructing people's uh, ability to enter a building and so yeah yeah and i remember when when i was a little kid and this this made national news these protests because man it people got heated people got really angry and i'm sorry if i keep talking but uh, what ended up happening is a follower of his a pro-life activist ended up shooting an abortion doctor uh in Mm -hmm. in you know followed him home and used a, sh- a rifle to shoot him in his home through a window. Yeah. So. And I mean, even talk about running away from what it means to be pro-life, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of might bring up the idea of our language matters. The things we say matter. Because mm-hmm. if we're talking about a human life, a child, a, an unborn child, the most innocent child... And we're talking about an issue of abortion, of taking that child's life. Some people will say, well, I'm protecting them. It is a self-defense mm-hmm. what I'm doing. This man is going to kill more people. I will take his life in order to do that. And so that becomes a really complicated, complex, passionate issue when you take it to that level. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I can kind of understand the logic there, and that's mm. that's kind of terrifying, you know. 
Um, so it does get complicated. I, I think one of the other pieces of this that, that gets kind of passed over pretty quickly a lot of times is just um, people thinking this is a new issue. Mm. Um, that abortion's a new issue, that uh, people being opposed to it is a new issue. It's really just the, you know, sexual revolution and and um, and the evangelicals, and that's as far back as this goes. Um, but I mean, you read things in church history, <laughs> uh, and it goes back a lot further than that. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I could talk about some of the things there, but um, just to say that you know, even by 200 AD, we have very very specific descriptions of the tools people used for abortions, of the results of those abortions, um, and the fact that the church was against it. Yeah. Uh, so that's 1,800 years of, <laughs> of opposition to this at least, <laughs> yeah. uh, not just 30 or 40. Right. You know? and, and people will say that you know, uh, 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 the abortion issue was a Catholic issue, the Catholic Church was against abortion, and Christians mm-hmm. really didn't become pro-life until the 80s. Because they thought it was a Catholic issue. And that's not really true either. There were lots of mm-hmm. evangelical Christians and just, you know, non-denominational Christians who were very pro-life. It just wasn't a political thing for them yet. Right. It right. wasn't widely spoken about politically, but they were very much pro-life. Mm-hmm. Always. So here we're pivoting to another part of the story. This is the other um, kind of main person in this film, Lucy McBath, who's... Uh, the mother to Jordan Davis, mm-hmm. uh, who was shot and killed. Uh, and they're kind of introducing that storyline right. and then how these two are going to come together to work for um, gun policy that you know they think would be effective in trying to pre- uh, prevent things like this. Yeah, so um, I, I should describe what happened here. Uh, she yeah. was uh, a divorced mom, a single mom. Uh, who sent her child, I think he turned 18, sent him to Florida to stay with his dad so that he could have a male uh, influence. And mm-hmm. um, he was out with his friends, and they stopped at a at a liquor store or a gas station, I should say, yeah, uh, to, I pick gas up, station. Yeah, to pick up uh, gum and cigarettes to go out and like talk to girls and stuff. And I actually, there's actually a documentary about this, what happened. Mm. Uh, the, the, you know, they were playing loud music in their car. Uh, another car parked next to them. The gentleman asked them or told them, uh, uh, to turn down the music. There were words, it got heated. And what ended up happening is the driver of the other car ended up shooting at their car and killing, uh, Jordan Davis. Um, and there's questions as to why. Uh, he, yeah. the the person who shot the, Jordan, said that he saw he he pulled out a gun, and stepped out of the car, um, and the the kid said that no, we, you know, he got into an argument with them. We were trying to pull away, and he shot at us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we don't know why, and there was no gun found in the car. Um, but of course, you know, they drove away. And so they said the, the defense's claim is that they must have stashed it when they drove away. Um, right. you know, no gun was ever recovered. But the fact is, is that, uh, the, what the gentleman said was he used stand your ground as a defense, right. which in Florida means that if you have a perception of, of danger, you are mm. without being shot at. Or, you know, if you 
perceive that you are in danger, you have the right to defend yourself and shoot. Right. And so, again, it's not a black and white kind of issue here. It's not like the kids were saying, well, why do we have to turn down the radio? And they were shot. There were words. He has his defense and the kids have their side of the story. And well, and stand your ground isn't isn't really a kind of a black and white thing either. I mean, I I initially was was fairly supportive of it because it was one of those things where, um, you know, if it's essentially it's just where do you place that burden of proof? Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about somebody that is you know out in public that has a license to carry, um, if they are in a bad situation and using their gun is the potentially safest way for them to get out of it, right? right. Not, maybe not safe for the other, other people. Um, then at what? how do you judge whether that's justified or not? Um, when this happened, I, I spent a fair amount of time really trying to understand that law mm-hmm. um, because I, I tend to be pretty, you know, pro uh, gun rights and, and, and all of that in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't want to just take that stance and just run with it. And um, the things that I did find in research were that it, it does tend to encourage people to be a little bit more cavalier about when they shoot people. Right. Um, so personally, I don't support stand your ground laws, even though I'm generally pr- uh, fairly pro gun and pro self defense. I mean, yeah, you know, and as am I. I mean, <laughs> um, I should mention that. Yeah, I was very much like I said before. I very much anti-gun my whole life. Like, I wanted them banned. Uh, as I grew mm-hmm. older, as I when I became a Christian, I started speaking with more cr- conservatives because Christian Christianity tends to be a very conservative culture. Mm-hmm. I started understanding that perspective, and although I'm, very, I'm still very liberal about it, getting married and living with a person that you love dearly Mm-hmm. Lead led me to believe that maybe I would want to protect my family. Yeah, and so it's led me to want to own a gun. And I've spoken to my wife about it. Uh, she was very open at, about for it at first, and mm-hmm. then when it became kind of more of a real issue, when I actually, you know, thought uh, started speaking uh, like. It, before it was theoretical, and now it's yeah, actual. Yeah. She became yeah. very much against it. And okay. being married, you know, I love my wife, and I do want to be a good husband, so I'm going to not own one if she doesn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. But I think, and we were speaking about this before, I really need to consider why I want to own a gun. Because... yes. I would like to protect my my family, my wife, and my home. But is it the reason why I want to own a gun because I'm scared and I'm afraid? Mm-hmm. And is that what's leading me to it to want to own a gun? Or is it because I genuinely want to protect my home and I, I don't want to use it? I, and I, again, I, there's this horrible comedian and I dislike him a lot, even though he's on my side of the aisle, Bill Maher. But he makes a good point when he yeah. says, uh, guns are like penicillin. I don't want it. I don't want it to exist, and I don't want to use it, but I'm glad that it does because of what it can do. 
You know, mm. I don't ever want to be in a position where I have to use it, but I'm glad it exists. And yeah. that's and he owns a gun, so I kind of yeah. think of it the same way. I don't ever want anyone to break into my home. I don't ever ever want to take a person's life. I believe when you know I've never been in that situation, but I think that I could use it, and I would. I I can say mm. that right now. But I'm a, I, I, I would say if I hear somebody breaking in, I'm going to fire warning shots. I'm not going <laughs> to not. I don't want to take somebody's life at all. I, that's not what I want. But I also don't want to be at the receiving end of a dangerous situation. Yeah. Well, and so at this point in the film, I, I want to circle back to that, too, because there's yeah, more yeah. to kind of say there. But at this point in the yeah. film, um, Rob Schenk has actually gone and visited with. Uh, families in Amish country after they had a, a shooting in a schoolhouse there. It's basically, it's horrible. It's execution style, you know, yeah. shooting of, of children and, and seeing, you know, what happens as the families are dealing with this, they're burying their dead as the elders of the community are going to the shooter's household to offer forgiveness to the family of the shooter, to yeah. the family of the shooter. And, you know, it's just like, what, how do you, how do you do that? You yeah. know, yeah. I know we're called to do that. Uh, as Christians, I, I don't think anybody can know that they actually have it in themselves to do that until they're in that moment. Right. You know? And we're going to talk about that a lot in this, where we can pontificate on what the Bible says often. We can right. clearly, it is easy, easy peasy to say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do not be afraid mm -hmm. for I am your protector. We can eat, re read that and be very easily say that, and it sounds beautiful. In actual practice, it is very hard. And mm -hmm. what we need to remember is that when Jesus said that, when the apostles said that, when God said that, they were not easily taken. Mm -hmm. It is a very powerful statement that he was that they were making at the time that they were saying it. Mm -hmm. And. Um, Again, going back to the film here, uh, we have uh, another situation where the pastor actually lived close to a, an, act, uh, an active shooter situation at a, at a military base. There was a, mm -hmm. a mass shooting, and he had to go to the families yeah. uh, because it happened so close to where he lived. He lives in Washington, yeah. D.C. Uh, I should say he has an organization called Faith in Action where he... Uh, talks to politicians about the abortion issue, about being pro-life. Uh, mm -hmm. He ministers to them. And, uh, I, and this isn't in the movie, but he actually has a living, he holds a living um, nativity scene on the steps of the oh. Capitol every year on wow. Christmas, where he has, mm. act, like, you know, people he knows to dress like the Virgin Mary and, you know, uh, and I, say, I say the Virgin Mary because I was raised Catholic, but, yeah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph. <laughs> And they hold a living baby. She, and they, she was at that point. So, yeah, she was you know, at that point. We don't so. argue about the rest of it. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Yeah, and they actually stand at the Capitol, and they, you know, a living baby, a living Mary, and a living Joseph, and stand at the Capitol as a nativity, um, mm. and that to signify this: we are pro-life, and you know, yeah. And so he, after that, he's talking about how his pro-life stance is now affecting him. As a Christian right. in a culture where guns are a big issue. And he's mm. 
and what he's doing now and what the filmmaker is following him in the process of is he's hasn't come out on anything yet but at the time of the filming mm. he's doing research almost he's talking to people in his community about guns and he's trying to find out what he himself feels about this being a, a leader in the church being a pastor how should yeah. we as christians deal with this issue when there's so much gun violence well and, and i think a big part of it for him is just that you know for one you know that thing being close to home you know it's the, kind of the same question you were raising when you're thinking about owning guns i feel like a lot of people you know if they have strong opinions opinions on this one way or the other those can be heightened or changed when it hits close to home in some way mm -hmm. uh, and so for him being in a situation where that happened near his house you know, he's like, wow, maybe we should do something to better control this. Whereas other people will look at that and they'll be like, well, I want, I now want to own something because I want to be able to protect myself. And so it's interesting to see the different ways that people kind of respond to that. Mm -hmm. I think what he's asking here at the very kind of core of it is just why is the church so comfortable in their stance mm -hmm. on deadly weapons yeah. when they're pro-life? You know, and you can take that an inch, you can take it a mile. But I think it's a really good question to be asking because a lot of people are so um, just dug in on either sides of this issue that, um, you know, they're very comfortable with deadly weapons uh, and being pro-life. Uh, and that's interesting. Um, yeah. And then, you know, there are obviously the other side of it as well. Um, to the point where we'll see a little bit later when we they start bringing us back to Lucy and, and him talking with her, she's very pro-choice and she mm -hmm. wants more gun control. And so you kind of see this flop of like, which things can we control with policy and which things should we control with policy um, that doesn't always, at least on the surface of it, make sense. And then you have to kind of ask the bigger questions and the more get more detailed to really try to understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and and that's kind of and we were we're even talked to the lawyer, um, mm -hmm. Lucy's uh, lo uh, hired a lawyer who is very pro gun. He talks about how he owns a gun and he talks what his training was, where mm -hmm. he needs to show oh, the yeah. trainer that you know pick up the gun. He picks it up, make sure the finger is off the trigger, okay. Make sure you have a round and pull the trigger. And that's yep. the training that he had that made it, it okay for him to own a gun. And he, it, it caused him now cons taking up this case concern. If yeah. that's how that's, if that's all I have to do, then how easy is it for me to, you know, be okay yeah. with taking somebody's life or well, having a deadly weapon. And that, that gets interesting too, because the laws are different by state. Mm. Um, and they differ for just buying a gun versus even, you know, specifically having a permit to carry one in public. So, right. um, in a lot of States you can buy a gun without any proving any training. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't get a carry permit without training in some of those States. So right. it's just like, there's this huge, very wide kind of chasm of, of different things of like how different States approach it. Right. You know? Because at the end of the day, the Second Amendment is a national law. We have the yes. right to own a gun. Whether you live in very liberal California with a right. very conservative parts. I, a lot of people think that California is very liberal. There's very <laughs> conservative places in California because it is so huge. But yeah. America is very huge. And there are places where guns are just a way of life. 
You know, yeah. there's a gun over your, you know, over your couch. There's a gun because they they hunt and they go out and kids grow mm-hmm. up with guns. And I should mention a, a thing that somebody said to me that I found very interesting is look at the size of America, the United States, from California mm-hmm. to New York. If you pop that in Europe, it's going to stretch across a large portion of Europe. Mm-hmm. And if we look at Europe, Spain, Germany, France, England, Italy, Switzerland, all of these countries have very different histories, very yes. different cultures, very different languages, very different mm-hmm. laws. And they, and the United States is one country, and we're all expected to have very similar laws and right. ideas and cultures, and we don't. And, and especially, you know, within federalism is we're, you know, talking about states, you know, really having a fair amount of leeway on, on what they do for laws as long as it's considered within the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's still a lot of variety, too. So right. we may not, you know, generally speak very different languages, but but a lot of those other differences around culture exist and they're just kind of scattered almost invisibly, <laughs> right? Um, which makes it harder to talk about an issue like this sometimes because, I mean, you can, you know, how do you deal with a, an issue on a federal level that includes both rural and urban populations because right. the, they're impacted very differently? You know, uh, someone can go out in their field and shoot a gun and, and have like zero chance of ever hitting anybody because they own so many acres, you know, yeah. whereas someone else, if they live in an apartment, you mm-hmm. know, what should they be, you know, allowed to or have the right to, to own when, you know, apartments are made with drywall and uh, drywall doesn't stop bullets. Right. You know, and, so but again, and I it, can see why the differences exist in policy, because there's very different viewpoints on what people see and on kind of how they impact everyday life. But even in when we talk about culture, that notion mm. where you have a community that is very safe and mm-hmm. communities that are not very safe. Communities right. where, you know, moralities are different. Because now we're talking about a pro-life pastor and we're talking about mm-hmm. the gun issue. The Second Amendment versus the right to have an abortion. That could differ from state to state on the need for laws, on what kind of laws we need, on what that right. represents in each state, state to state. Why do we need this law? How we, do we approach this law? How do we make amendments to those laws state to state? Mm-hmm. It's a complicated thing for lots yeah. of reasons. And then we bring in Christianity, our yeah. faith, and how do we approach mm-hmm. this? Yeah. So, whew. It, and that's where I'm concerned in many ways. Mm-hmm. Not just because we have the right to own a gun. We have the right to own weapons, and that's fine. As Christians, how do we approach this issue? Right. You know, and of course, I, and if I'm being completely honest, and I don't know when you want to start opening this yeah. can of worms, but <laughs> it's all a can of worms. Let's do it. Yeah. So, personally, as liberal as I am, as much as I'm concerned about the gun issue, if I'm being completely honest, the Bible doesn't have much to say when it comes to the 
possession of weapons. I would say that the Bible and God is very okay with us owning weapons in general. Just objectively speaking, we can own weapons, whether they are a sword, <laughs> a knife, a gun, for hunting, for a, as a tool, mm -hmm. as for many reasons, and for maybe even self-defense. And that's where it gets challenging, I think, with with Christians is, for me, what I see is a, a kind of a few layers to this. I, mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, are we, is it okay to own something and to use it? Um, in certain situations, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's my personal opinion on that. But, yeah. um, do we sometimes take it to where it's become almost so much of a, a, a golden calf that, you know, it's like, I should be able to own whatever, whatever I want and use it however I want, whenever it's like, well, clearly not <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because there are a lot of circumstances in which using a gun to shoot somebody is murder. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, that question again of like, how comfortable are we with this, um, is, is something that I think re really should be involve a lot more soul searching than, than, than a lot of people do. I think most of the time when people approach the Bible, it's, let me find a proof text for what I want to say, mm -hmm. you know, and focusing on kind of my everyday life versus, you know, what's the priority here? Like my priority in my lifestyle and how I treat people should be the gospel, should be the mission that we're called to, should be loving my neighbor, all of those things. Mm -hmm. The question for me is, is there any point in that whole string of things when there might be a situation that's extreme enough when I might need to defend uh, against seriously bodily injury, harm, or death uh, of myself or my family, um, and then you know where where might that be necessary, and where might it be okay? Um, clearly, we're not talking about a lifestyle thing here. I think where you know I I would want to walk around with you know the biggest gun I can find, open carry all the time. God loves you. <laughs> like that gets kind of awkward really fast. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, so I, I think in general, when we're talking about trying to be responsible about it, we're talking about people that, um, you know, really are trying to live their life following Christ, loving people, but they're thinking about those kind of grave situations that, you know, hopefully never happen, mm -hmm. you know, versus people that are just, this is, I'm going to wear it all out on my sleeve. I drive a Dodge Ram that's lifted six feet off the ground and, uh, you know, like whatever it is, like, you know, there's definitely an attitude that can come with that. Um, and you know, I'm not necessarily against Dodge trucks too, but I've seen enough of the attitude that can come with certain kind of ways of living and seeing things and treating people. Mm -hmm. I, I think we need to be cautious of, of being too comfortable in those things. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those issues for me. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when it comes mm -hmm. to from the beginning of Genesis 1 to the end of Revelations, I don't know the Bible well enough to know what the last <laughs> verse is, where from the beginning to the end, what God is always after is the heart. Yeah. What is in your heart? Israel continued to sacrifice animals, to mm -hmm. follow those rules, to do every rule that the, you know, that you know the law said but they weren't following them all 
And when it came to the sacrifices, he said, I don't recognize your sacrifice because of what's in your heart. The heart matters. What is in your heart? Why are you doing the things you're doing? How do you feel about your neighbor? What do you think about God? And how do you view life? What Mm -hmm. is in your heart? And that's a major sticking point for a lot of people. Absolutely. So in the film, we're moving into uh, Rob Schenck at at an NRA convention. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, you're going to hear a lot of things that get dragged out by people on both sides of this issue that we all recognize. You know, you hear someone say, the only way to stop a good guy, or a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. You immediately know that's the NRA. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, um, <clears throat> guns don't kill people. People kill people. Again, coming from the NRA. Right. right. Nice um, slogans, very yeah. easy to hear things on the other side that are, are very much slogans, too. And um, I think sometimes these almost become our proof texts in culture. Mm. Uh, before we even reach for proof texts in the Bible. One of the interesting ones I think that people do reach for in the Bible on the program side, and we'll talk about the other side too, because I think there's a lot of misinterpretation that takes things too far, um, is when Jesus basically tells his disciples, like, okay, like, I sent you out, you did these things, that was really cool, we're now going to do it a little bit differently. If you have a, you know, if you don't have a sword, go get one, Hmm. Right. Yeah, and people you'll and we'll actually see. I, I want to say Sarah Palin says this at some point. Literally quotes that, but someone at the NRA convention here or later in the film talks about that. And oh, I think so. Anyway, well, it might, um, might have been. Con- I've even, heard it. Yeah, at a dinner or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've heard it numerous times from people that that I know and love that are, are pro gun. And, and that's really not what the passage is, is saying. It's not what Jesus is trying to get them to do. He's not saying, go ahead and arm yourself. In fact, I command you to do it. All Christians should do this. <laughs> it's not what it's about at all. So in the context, it's it's him basically saying, you know, um, if you have, uh, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. So to me, when I read that and I just think about the immediate context, I just think, oh, like what he's doing is he's saying, I am supposed to be considered a rebel. I'm supposed to be you know, crucified as a rebel against the state. Mm-hmm. That's what this prophecy was saying. And that needs to be fulfilled in me. Two swords is enough to do that because it's not an anomaly. It's now a group of people that have swords, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's more than zero. But <laughs> I'm also not actually trying to be a rebel in that way. I need to be crucified and go through this. And you guys, you my disciples, you actually need to live to tell people about this. Because mm. if you also get crucified, none of this is going to work very well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so to me, I just think if we look at the immediate context, it becomes pretty obvious what he's talking about is there's prophecy it needs to be fulfilled we're going to take care of that here it really has zero of anything to do with you know a command to modern day christians to take up arms it's, right it's, it's completely irrelevant to it honestly yeah uh, and yet uh, people will quote it left and right right because again and like i'm saying like i've said before the bible is doesn't really have much of an opinion on whether you should own a weapon or not it's all about what's in your heart but when we're talking about that verse there yeah let's look let's look at it objectively we're talking about jesus saying if you you know 
if you don't own a sword, take your cloak and sell it and buy one. And then what happens before and what happens after? Because when Christians say that's a, it's not just we are allowed to, because we're allowed to do a lot of things. What Christians do is when they look at that verse, they say God commands us to own weapons and to own it to defend ourselves. Okay, let's take that forward now. What do the apostles do? What happens in the future? What happens from then on? Do they ever use them? Do they ever carry swords with them when they go out and preach the gospel? When they get arrested, what do they do? What happens mm-hmm. immediately after when Jesus is arrested <laughs> and Peter comes out and cuts a taxi yeah. soldier to the point where he cuts an ear off? Jesus mm-hmm. says to him, he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Now, right. is that a condemnation of swords? Is that a condemnation of weapons? Or is something else happening? And that's kind of something that we need to think yeah. about and consider. It's not that well, cut and, and dry. And and for me, that's that's the one that I think that gets kind of abused the most on the on the gun control side, right? Um, so the other one is is people that are programmed saying the Bible tells commands me to buy weapons, and you'll also see a lot of people then use this where Jesus tells them uh, Peter to put his sword away as like this is a universal statement for all Christians of all at all times in all circumstances. You shouldn't ever have weapons. And I just think it takes it too far because again, we're talking about the situation where, you know, Jesus is being arrested by a crowd of people with clubs and swords and he's being arrested as if he's a rebel against the state. Right. Um, and when that's a situation, when you, when you, when you're, you know, most hot headed guy goes off on somebody and you've only got two swords, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not a good situation for you, you know. So um, really, you know, I think, again, this is something that that um, I think personally, actually, this this is actually talking about not taking up the sword against Rome mm. in those, those circumstances, because they're later on in, in history. We see people do that again after yeah. they've done it a few times in, in, in Palestine and in Judea um, and it doesn't end well, you mm. know. Um, I actually like, there are some other things uh, about Matthew's gospel specifically, um, that really kind of get into this where I I think there's a lot of stuff where Jesus is saying like, there's coming destruction and you guys need to, to figure out the right way to respond to it or it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and personally, I kind of think this is actually one of those where, um, you know, he's saying, you know, if you take up swords against the state, you are going to be killed by the state. Don't do it. Mm. Um, and there are some other reasons I think that, again, you know, um, even the, uh, when Jesus turns over tables in the temple, um, in I want to say in both Matthew and Luke, um, they quote from Jeremiah 7, which is about the house of God at Shiloh that gets destroyed. Mm. Uh, and the connection is that den of robbers quote, right? And so Jesus, when he starts turning stuff over, he's saying, this is my father's house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. He's t- pointing back to like the last time this was done, <laughs> like God, let the house of God be destroyed. There is that what you want? Right. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of those kind of warnings there. And indeed what we then see in history is the church ends up taking a largely nonviolent approach to this and the gospel just explodes. And you have 
rebels under especially later on but um ad 70 you have the destruction of the temple uh and then a little bit later uh you have the bar Kokhba rebellion and the city itself is just kind of leveled um and like again you know <laughs> especially when you're in the midst of salvation history <laughs> trying to fight a different battle may not be the thing to do right and so again we're talking about two different issues we're talking mm-hmm. about attacking right. and self-defense. What does the Bible say and what's in your heart? Because again, the Bible isn't against owning a gun. It's not even against self-defense. It's about how do we react to the situation at hand. Mm-hmm. And that is where it gets really complicated. Because, yeah. at, you know, there's, there's uh, people bring up, there's a verse in Exodus about thievery and theft. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that because that's one that that's brought up often. Is oh, uh, maybe we should put a pause to this because in the movie, yeah. uh, now <laughs> the two main the two people that the director is following come together. So we have Rob Shank, who's a pro life activist who's trying to understand guns and how mm-hmm. Christians approach it, and we have Lucy uh, Macbeth, whose child was shot uh, in a stand your ground situation. And so mm-hmm. she brings them together to talk about this issue. And he, Rob Shank, wants to know what she has to say about this as a mother of a victim. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring up something in a while that really bothers me about the movie. And we'll get to mm. it when we get to it. But uh, <laughs> <Okay>. in this, <laughs> when she says it, because she says a lot of interesting things. Which mm-hmm. is one of the things she says is that Christians have replaced God as their protector with guns, mm-hmm. and it really yeah. affects R- Pastor Rob. The idea, the notion that we're told that God is our protector, God mm-hmm. will protect us, and we now are have replaced God with guns, which is an interesting, it's a complicated thing. Because mm-hmm. again, we have the right to protect ourselves in in many ways. Seatbelts, like we were talking about before we recorded. Seatbelts, yeah. masks, uh, laws in general, you know, traffic laws. Science. Science. <laughs> like Medicine. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. umbrellas, you know. He's <laughs> got our healer if we use modern medicine. Right. And it's the same question, essentially, the only difference being the dimension of, you know, if you're owning a weapon, you could potentially be doing harm to someone else versus medicine generally being, you know, not used for harm. Although when we talk about abortion, yeah, that gets interesting. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. And so when we talk about, yeah, well, what is she saying now? Jesus Mm -hmm. never advocates for violence. Mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing to mull over. There, there, there's one time in Bible study, there was an interesting thing that uh, somebody brought up. Can you hear my dog in the background? Cause <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> this is going to happen it's from fine. time to time. My dog, yeah, my dog goes, oh, yeah. you know, every time we call, <laughs> it, it isn't that interesting. In the time now in the, in the pandemic, every time we call, Somebody, they say, oh, please excuse children playing in the background or dogs 
because our, our <laughs> yeah. employees are working from home. <laughs> you know, so please excuse me if you hear children playing in the background or dogs barking. <laughs> I, I literally had that this morning because it was a coworker that had a, had a kitten, and that kitten was like, "Me, I need attention. Me, me." You know, <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, anyway, there's a there's, and something interesting happened where Paul was going into a town to preach the gospel. And a prophet comes to him, and he removes Paul's belt, and he ties himself up. The prophet does. He takes Paul's belt, and he ties, mm. ties himself up, and he says, if you go into this town, this is what's going to happen to you. They will bind you like this. And Paul yeah. says, and Paul continues, he just goes into the town anyway. And the question mm. we asked is, did God, did Paul ignore an order from God? Did he disobey an order from God? Or did, or was God telling the prophet, tell him that this is what's going to happen to you, but go anyway? Interesting. Interesting argument, right? Because yeah, I hadn't was, really asked those questions before. Was God telling him, don't go there, you're going to be arrested? Or mm-hmm. was God telling him, when you go here, you're going to be arrested? But, you know... I, I still want prepare you to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Yeah, for that. yeah. Those are things we have to ask ourselves. You know, because mm-hmm. it's not a simple issue, and especially yeah. when, and this is a big one, fear comes into play, mm-hmm. because fear can blind us. And yeah. on both sides, when we see a mass shooting, we become afraid and we want to get rid of guns. When we see, or we want to buy more of them, or we want to buy more of them. What is the right response for Christians? Because I think Mm -hmm. that it's getting really foggy out there. It's getting really dangerous, not physically dangerous. What concerns me is the danger of our souls, of our hearts. Mm -hmm. When fear comes into play, we might make the wrong decision. And that's what freaks yeah. me out because, I mean, I got to say, man, it's really hard to make a good decision when you're afraid. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit at the kind of start of, before we started recording, um, the, the kind of head versus heart thing, you know, that um, people reacting with feelings, people reacting, you know, with logic, you know, whatever it is. I think one of the things we have to try to get away from is doing either of those things. Hmm. Uh, because what we need to be doing, uh, if you, you know, look at when Jesus, you know, said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Greek, he adds mind because hmm. he knows his audience won't understand it properly if he just says heart, soul, strength which is what the Hebrew says, <laughs> um, because in, 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 in like Hebrew thought, like there wasn't this, this bifurcation between the heart and the mind. It was all like emotions and thoughts and reason. And all of that came out of the same place to them. Mm-hmm. And we've somehow split them into two and decided we want to pick one or the other. And I think it's a mistake. I think we need to learn to be more integrated people so that yeah. we can do this well. And I, and this is something interesting to talk about because we have, in the movie, he has a prayer breakfast where, mm. you know, lots of leaders come together, uh, Christians come together, you know, a lot of leaders in the church come together to discuss a lot of different things, and he's about to bring up this issue of guns to them. Again, yep. because he's undecided yet. 
and he wants to know mm-hmm. what do other people say when they talk about guns. And yeah. somebody says, and this is interesting because I've never heard it interpreted this way. They said that the the man who does not protect his family is worse than an infidel. What yeah. I've always been told, the interpretation that I've always held was if you don't provide for your family, a man right. who does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Now, I'm willing to take both, but the issue is what is in your heart and how far mm. do you take that? And what does that mean? Oh, to now I have to look family? that up. <laughs> yeah, right? What does yeah. it mean to protect your family? Does it say you have to use a gun to protect your family? Does it mean, you know, because it's re- like, like I mentioned before, I now live with my wife and I live in a very rural area where it might take a while for the police to get here. And what am I going to do? And what is my obligation? And what does God want of me? Right? Oh, boy. The hard part is that the language there isn't super specific, right? So um, you have different um, semantic range there of uh, essentially, you know, um, respecting things, providing things, having regard for things. Um, So it gets a little bit, I feel like it's a stretch to say that that protect fits within provide in that way, but I can see why people might might say it. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, mm. And yeah, and so she's like as he's talking, he says, you know, he what, what does he say? He says, God, what what we need then. Because he's talking to people and people are telling him, no, we need guns to protect ourselves. We need guns to protect Mm -hmm. our families. And he says, okay, so what you're saying is that we need God and the Bible and a sidearm. Is that what you're saying? And I want to ask the audience that's listening to us right now, does the Bible say that we need God, the Bible, and a sidearm? Do we Mm -hmm. need a sidearm? Do we need seatbelts? You know, do we need yeah. medicine? I say yes, but let's be careful. And not just yeah. how we use them, but how we view the world. Because once we start yeah. becoming afraid of the world, we start to dehumanize people. Yes. Just like the world dehumanizes unborn children, mm. we don't want to do that. We don't want to make it okay. And interestingly enough, in the movie, he speaks to largely white Christians. He goes to a black church. And many mm-hmm. devout, God-loving Christians are African-American. And they have a completely different view on guns. Because their experiences are much And often different. on abortion. And often on abortion. Because their mm-hmm. experiences are much different. And it becomes yeah. complicated when, mm-hmm. you know, when you grow up in a, you know, in a white community, when you're safe, when you see, you know, when you're afraid of Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters and marches, and when you live in a community destroyed by gun violence. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a very complicated issue because what yeah. when fear enters your heart, 
it can cloud it. And I, I want to really, really tell Christians, not that you're wrong, not to get rid of your guns, but what are you afraid of? Why mm -hmm. are you using, why are you so passionate about your guns? Because we do this with everything, right? When we talk mm -hmm. about alcohol, why yep. are you drinking? Why do you drink so much? If I tell you to get rid of your alcohol, what is your reaction going to be? Right. If I tell you, get rid of your gun, what is your reaction going to be? Hmm. You know? Because it's really difficult when you're afraid of what might happen to your family. When you watch the news and you see protests and marches and people coming mm -hmm. after you, what is your reaction going to be? Why do you own a gun? Mm -hmm. And it becomes I can speak really to that hard. a little bit personally if you want. Yeah, no, please, please. <laughs> um, yeah, so a couple things I want to wrap uh, wrap on just before pivoting to that. Um, that First Timothy five, uh, you know, anyone who, who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their household is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I do think you could probably pack protection into that in some ways, but the context is really about providing for widows. Mm. Um, so you know, mostly we're talking about providing for them in terms of sustenance and shelter and those kinds of things. Sure. Um, so um, it, it is a little bit of a stretch to try to go there, especially as far as they took it. Um, there's a point earlier when Lucy and uh, Rob Shank are talking and she mentions that she's, um, you know, really doesn't believe in uh, regulating a woman's right to, oh, right. Uh, oh, to I choose. Right over that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then she's basically kind of turns around and it's like, well, I, I really want to to see gun control happen because of these things. And, you know, on the one hand, I can completely understand where she's coming from, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, I, I happen to look it up because this is how my mind works. In 2019, there were 620,000 abortions. Hmm. In uh, And I didn't see the 2019 numbers, but in 2018, which is going to be very similar, uh, we had 24,000 suicides with guns, roughly, and 14,414 gun homicides. That means there's roughly 15 times the number of people killed with abortions as there are people killed with guns, and 43 times the number of abortion deaths as gun homicides. Hmm. 43 times. And and that's where her priorities go. So it's just, it's a very like... Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, because I did want to bring that up. We're talking about a yeah. movie about a pro-life pastor talking about guns. And yeah. I spoke to, like, I heard the director speak at a screening, mm -hmm. and for some reason, and this really bothers me, is they're talking yeah. about guns. They're talking about the yeah. gun issue. And then all of a sudden, they wedge in this moment when mm -hmm. Lucy Best says, oh, well, I, I would never have an abortion, but I would never infringe on a woman's right to choose what she does right. with her body. What does that have to do with this conversation? Mm. What does that have to do with this right now? I'm afraid, and what really upsets me is that the director is in, is forcing her own opinion into this movie where it didn't mm. need to be. It doesn't add to the story. It doesn't add yeah. to the conversation. What does Lucy's Beth's, Macbeth's opinion on abortion have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with it. I think it's basically it. just showing, showing that, that they don't agree on 
a, a very significant political issue, but they can come together around this other one. Yeah, but I but also think again, that... <laughs> it felt very contrived to me. Yeah, and and uh, that was Bonhoeffer quote at the beginning, and this were the two moments in the film where I was just like, "Well, there's a few more. This this is another one actually." Mm. Um, so we're diving into the film here. We have Rob Schenk and his family looking at pictures from the family photo album of the Holocaust and of uh, the persecution of Jews in Nazi Germany. And, uh, and then he's going to be talking about how he came to Christian faith. And that was another moment for me that was just like, again, kind of odd. Um, I don't want to force, you know, over push the point, but it is weird in a film that talks very, very heavily in terms of gun control and being pro gun control, when part of the film is looking at a regime that partly was able to do what they did because they took people's guns. Um, so again, another point of that, like it's like a heart rending moment in the film, but there's also this weird, like sense of that's a weird, the context is really odd (laughs) to me. It is. It's like, they're forcing something like I, I really true. It bothers me that the director is trying to force like, you know, Oh, but we still believe in, choice we still believe right. in abortion right everyone okay i know we're talking about guns and now we're talking about a pro-life pastor but we all right. agree agree that a woman's right to choose is important right okay let's move on it's i think that they wedged it in too much and so <laughs> yeah so so you were you were asking a little bit about you know kind of the, the sense of fear and and reasons for owning guns and yeah I think for me, what it was, was, you know, I have friends in law enforcement and I talk to them about, you know, the kinds of things they see every day and kind of listening to like, you know, okay, like what kind of stuff, um, basically kind of like, what's the, what's the real picture here? And for me, I looked at it and, and started, you know, thinking about that. I looked at it and said, you know, okay, like what's the average response time for the cops? Like if I, if I have a bad situation and I need to call for help, how long does it take them to get to me? In most places in an urban area, it's something like five to 10 minutes on average, mm. which is, is long enough that if it's a really bad situation, all they're going to do is, is, you know, set up the tape and try to keep people away from a crime scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they also don't like in rural areas, it's a lot longer in suburban areas like New Orleans, they had a recent study that was saying it was something like people waited over an hour for a 911 call response, yeah. which is crazy in a city. Um, and um, there's also, um, you know, recognizing that legally the police don't have to provide protection for any individual citizen, even people that have a protection order. So, like, if, if your um, wife went and got a protection order against a stalker tomorrow, and then, like the next day, you know, stalker shows up, you know, does what stalkers sometimes do. Like you could try to sue the police, but it, nothing's going to happen. Like it won't go anywhere. Right. Um, and so I just looked at some of those kind of you know things and said, you know, looking at, at starting a family and recognizing like there are there is evil in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live afraid of that, um, but I also don't want to just ignore it. And so are there, is there anything practical I can do that gives me the ability to respond more effectively in, in the worst case scenario that also isn't going to drag me into this sense of like, you know, there's a boogeyman around every corner, Yeah. (laughs) right? Because I don't know how to do that and also 
love people the way we're called to at the same time, uh, which is, it's a hard line to walk. Uh, but I feel like if you're, if you're owning guns as a Christian and you're not trying to walk that line and not feeling that tension, you probably need to pay a bit more attention. Yeah. I, we were talking earlier that when we read the Bible and we go back and we talk and we look at Israel, they demanded Mm -hmm. that God give them a king. They made allies of themselves with evil nations. They did terrible Mm -hmm. things out of fear. And that concerns me when we look at the, because the news is so manipulative when we, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to bring up why I wanted to own a gun. And I remember when the pandemic first started, a friend of mine who is a gun owner posted a meme and mm-hmm. it was a joke. It was just a joke, but it was, uh, Rob, uh, not Rob Halford. He's from Judas priest, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, from the office. Uh, you know, somebody was looking through a, you know, sinister looking through, uh, window shades. And yeah, he said, when a gun owner watches non gun owners collect supplies for them, yeah. At the beginning of the pandemic, people went out to the supermarket to buy stuff. And my gun owner yeah. friend says that, you know, when your gun, when your non-gun owner friends, like, yeah. you know, collect, uh, collect supplies for you. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. And it was a joke. But what he's saying is that if you have a gun, you can take whatever you want. Right. And so that or really flip side. Me. Uh, and and that, that actually probably the way it was framed is probably not quite what he meant. <laughs> right. The prob- what he probably meant is that if you have guns, you'll be able to keep the things you have. Um, and so if you don't, you won't. Sure. But the way it's phrased no, he, is a he, lot he, more aggressive, yeah, which is – that's scary. He joke, He was joking. And what, but yeah. what he was saying is that if you have a gun, you can take whatever you want. And it was a joke, yeah. but it really scared me because what – People in the NRA say is, you know, a good guy with a gun, you know, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And if we're Christians, we believe that we all have the ability Mm -hmm. to do evil. And what jumped out at me was that there's no such thing as a good guy with a gun. There's no such Mm -hmm. thing. At any moment, we could use that wrong. And we think we're the good guys, but we could do real evil with it. And so for me, it's how you use it that then actually redefines the good and the bad. Right. And so it scared me and it made me want to own a gun to protect myself Mm -hmm. from people with guns. Not, not the evil, you know, bad guy, evil, you know, rapists and, you know, protesters. I was afraid Mm -hmm. of people who think they're good coming after me. Wow. And so, I mean, look, we really have to be really careful about how we view other people. Right now, yeah. in, um, in our country, and I know I'm not saying anything new, but we're led by fear, and we're mm-hmm. changing how we view people. When the Bible says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, it's easier said than done. Yeah. It's easier said than done. You know, if you're super conservative, and you're, and again, I don't want to be political here, but if you support Donald Trump... If you if you're very conservative, you're afraid that rioters are going to destroy your home, that they're going to hurt your family, 
And if that's what's leading your fear, then how much do you love your enemy? How much do you love Mm -hmm. your neighbor? It's really hard to follow God when you're afraid. I'm not saying get rid of your guns. I'm saying that every Mm -hmm. one of us have to look in our heart. How much, if I love drinking beer, I love drinking whiskey. If God tells me, never drink again, it's going to be (laughs) really hard for me to do that. If you are afraid that Black Lives Matter protesters are going to come after you, how easy is it going to be for you to get rid of your guns if God tells you to get rid of your guns? It's Mm -hmm. really hard when you're afraid. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, and it's, uh, you know... it can be easy to, to, to apply kind of similar logic and, and just turn it around too. And yeah. so, um, not, not to be, uh, well, I'll be, I'll be devil's advocate for a moment, but I'm also not pushing this super hard. I just, you know, again, you know, talking about the fear thing, it's like, okay, also if for people that don't really know how guns work, <laughs> that don't really like have never fired one before yeah, that don't really understand any of the kind of dynamics around, you know, self-defense and, and all of that to look at things and say, I'm afraid because there was a shooting, we need to outlaw all guns. Right. So I'll mm-hmm. take it to the extreme just cause it's the easy example. Yeah. I know most people, a lot of people are not going to go to that extreme, but if no, someone sure. were to do that, I would be saying, okay, so what you're saying is now because you're afraid, you think that the entire world needs to change yeah. and that your neighbor doesn't you know shouldn't be able to have something that it could enable them to defend themselves that can have consequences too and so it's it's a very like again like how do you walk that line of like these are a tool that people can use for good or evil mm-hmm. but they're also designed for a specific purpose and that purpose is is you know uh not planting flowers you know like it's yeah. it's serious um, whether it's the deer you're hunting or uh, the target you're shooting or um, or a person potentially a person, it's going to do damage. Yeah, uh, and so you, you can't can't take that lightly. Yeah, and so again, when we talk about uh, like I, I want to implore Christians to think about it. Mm-hmm. I, we have the right to own guns, and we have religious liberties. We shouldn't ever roll over. I, you know, it's easy to see to to be passive uh, to be a pacifist, and say, well, you know, God's going to protect you. So if mm. they're going to take away your religious liberties, then let them. No, mm. no, don't do that. If the government's going to come and take away your guns, you shouldn't roll over and let them. But we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't, like, I, I think that Christians are way too afraid of the government coming and taking away their guns. I know mm. that if you're a conservative and you're a gun owner, that you're going to be upset with me for saying that, <laughs> you know, because it's easy for me to say that, you know, yeah. don't be afraid of the government. Just let, register your guns. It's easy. And, you know, but that makes it easier for the government to take away your guns. Fine. Yep. How afraid are you of that? And if you're afraid of the government taking away your guns, mm-hmm. is your heart in the right place? Right. You know, and it's really hard. It's really hard when you're in that situation. It's also really, I feel like on the, 
No, yeah. <laughs> this is the point. Right, we're starting though. to go back and forth right at the point in the film where they're yeah, starting to argue they're, they're over it. They're yelling so it's at each other. Like that <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let, let's talk about like, what's okay, happening. Okay, now, now, Joe, I really want to disagree with you. No, <laughs> no let's talk about what's happening uh, in the movie. Yeah. In the yeah, movie, yeah. Rob Shank is with other friends, and they're getting really heated because, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying that, you know, there are people are afraid of people coming and taking away their guns. The only way to stop a good guy, a bad, I'm sorry. The only way to stop yeah. a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yeah, it is. But, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Because, again, I'm saying don't be afraid that the government is going to come and take away your guns. You're going to tell me, and you should, you, you should tell me. Why am I going to let the government take away my gun? And you're right. You're right. And that's what makes this hard, right? It's well, the other thing. It's, I mean, I have so many different thoughts in so many different directions. It's, I know. It gets fun. And that's why it's um, hard to do documentaries. So, because in a documentary, oh, yeah. we're, we're thrown inf- information is thrown at us. And we have to yeah. discuss this. And it's yeah. hard. So. On some level, I actually have a harder time with people taking up arms against the government than I do against do with self defense, mm-hmm. um, because I think some of the passages that we do see in the Bible, you know, are more aimed at like no, like don't don't take up arms; it's not going to end well for you, right? Yeah, I do think there's context to that, and I, I think it's specific to you know to that that period in church history, especially. But you know, if I were thinking about you know something like okay, like should uh, Christians in China take up arms against the government to protect themselves. I don't know what I would say on that, right? Because yeah. I, on the one hand, like I, I, I don't like tyrannical government. On the other hand, you know, when you're talking about 50 million Christians in, in a country with billions of people, it's not going to end well if you take up arms against that government. You yeah. probably need to just focus on preaching the gospel and doing whatever you can to to expand the kingdom of God and and just hope and pray and recognize that persecution is going to happen, right? I mean that's that's the reality that we that a lot of people live in, and uh, so it's I, I think it's a more actually a more complicated issue even looking at it from a, a generally pro gun Christian um, than than maybe even you're saying that like I yeah yeah because, because you we mentioned before they're looking through scrapbooks of the Holocaust. And Germany took away Jews' right to to keep their guns, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's a lot of conservatives tell tell us that the first thing yeah. they did is they took away Jews' rights to 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 arm themselves, and yeah. it led to something terrible. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell somebody not to be afraid when there's scary people out there. And, the, and then the other thing I, I think that was coming to mind for me was um, there, there's an irony here, too, in, you know, what does it look like to be somebody that, that, that believes that, they sh- that Christians shouldn't use deadly force? And then, and, and, and make choices in your life because of that. So, like, you don't own guns, you don't, you know, you, you, none of that kind of stuff. But then if a situation arises, you feel okay about calling somebody to come to your house that has deadly force yeah. to potentially protect you. 
Yeah. Like there's an ethical thing there that, that I feel <laughs> like it's like, if you're not okay with using deadly force, why are you okay with someone else doing it on your behalf? Yeah, um, exactly. Like I can understand personally not wanting to do it, but, but in terms of kind of the obligations in there, that gets kind of sketchy too. And, and it, it's interesting because I, I feel like on the, on the more progressive side of this issue, you have these weird things that happen at the same time where it's like, you know, nobody should own guns, but the cops, well, but they really shouldn't have them either. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, but, but and that's then it's the just thing. like, okay, why don't you just come out and say you want to uninvent something that's already here? Uh, like it's kind of hard, you know? Right. Because, and that's exactly the point. Why do you call the police? Because they have guns. And so if Pretty you're, much. if you're a liberal and you're a progressive and you're telling them we should ban all guns, well then what are you going like, really? That's that's not an argument that, that you can't say that, and so yeah, it's it's. Yeah. But again, that's why I brought up earlier on what's in your heart, and that's what we yeah. need to focus on because it's really difficult. What is in your heart? Don't roll over and let the government take away your religious liberties. Don't do that. Protect your religious liberties. Protect your gun rights, but love your neighbors, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Focus on God. God's your protector. At the end of the day, I mm. mean, geez, it's really hard, but the apostles were persecuted, they were arrested, yeah. and they were martyred. And mm-hmm. But they also spread the gospel far and wide. Right. You know? Well, and, and I think that, that focus on the gospel is really the key of this for me. Uh, because, you know, if I'm thinking about somebody that's, defending their home in the middle of the night mm-hmm. uh, against someone that's breaking in that then, you know, maybe they break in downstairs, you hear stuff, you pop out, you're like, you're looking with a flashlight, you're kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then they come upstairs to where your bedrooms are. You know, people come upstairs to where bedrooms are when they're pretty sure people are home for no good reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I can see looking at that and saying like, is there something about defending your family in that situation that is going to hold the gospel back. I don't really think so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But when you're talking about like you live in a country that's you know 90% some other religion, the government persecutes Christians, and now you want to talk about, well, we're going to take up arms to defend ourselves against this government that's tyrannical or whatever under persecution. Like probably what's going to happen is mo- most of you are going to get killed eventually when yeah. the government decides to stamp that out. Yeah. That's actually contra the gospel because you're key, you're making it so it's more likely that you're going to be unable to actually spread the gospel as painful as it is under persecution. And so I can't tell you what to do in that situation, but I do think we need to recognize that there are different dynamics involved there and be really thoughtful and prayerful about how we approach them because it is very different to me when we're talking about the mission we're called to and then, you know, some crazy person that has nothing to do with your faith, uh, <laughs> accosting you, you know, in your home or, or wherever, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. I, I see differences there and that's why I'm comfortable owning guns, even though, you know, for me, like, you know, my lifestyle, the way I see people, the way I try to treat people, the way I try to present myself, it's, it's all, you know, about the gospel. It's about the love of God because that's what we're called to. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, because again, th- and Right, uh, we're, we're in the movie. They're at the NRA mm-hmm. rally, and you know, oh, they're saying, "Yeah, 
where they're rapists and campus killers and murderers and thugs and blah 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 and he's totally playing on fear and so i'm just i it's really hard to speak on this when Mm -hmm. it's really you know i I mean so another kind of personal thing i i you know when I first you know, was looking at owning guns, I did join the NRA. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, I just, I became kind of disenchanted with it because I see some of the rhetoric that comes out of the NRA mm-hmm. that I don't really agree with. Sure. And I feel like they, they really do push things so far in a lot of ways that are, I mean, the, there's a lot of connections to making money and I just have a really hard time with that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely, you know, still appreciate what they do on the legal front as far as trying to 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 push for, you know, laws to or to push against laws that would restrict gun ownership on some things because there are other other there are some laws that I disagree with the NRA on entirely. Yeah, I mean, like an example of that is stand your ground. Um, I also really, honestly, like I think we should have universal background checks. Yeah, I do. I know. I know there are people that will will fight against that till the day they die. But to me, there's there's no particular reason for to make it easier for somebody that has a mental health issue mm-hmm. to then go having been fully diagnosed and go buy a gun yeah and do something terrible with it um just because we're either you know we don't want to do checks or because we're not doing them well um so there's actually a group within kind of the gun industry the National uh, Shooting Sports Foundation has a site called Fix Nicks Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, they're trying to push to essentially make the reporting that states do is particularly on mental health better right. to the national, um, uh, uh, background check system so that when background checks are run, they actually mean something. Right. Um, and they do in a lot of ways, like your criminal record, but on, on mental health stuff, hardly any states are reporting much of anything. Right. And when it comes to, uh, physical abuse one big thing that people are trying to push is domestic violence and suicide Mm -hmm. and all these things like you know one of the biggest issues uh, with suicide is that when you use a gun it is incredibly effective and that's the and that's another when we talk about the gun issue we talk about mass shootings and mass right. shootings are not all of our common. focus is over here. Yeah, yeah. But when we talk yeah. about suicide, guns are the number one, like most effective tool. Mm-hmm. When we talk about domestic yeah. violence, we should we allow somebody who's been convicted of domestic violence to own a gun? Because oftentimes, right. a lot of the times, right. domestic violence leads to killing your spouse. Yeah, and so and it. And that one gets complicated too, because you know, in general, I would I would advocate for for women owning guns if they they feel that they need to and would be willing to use it. Mm-hmm. In a domestic violence situation, it's really not a great idea, yeah. um, because you know, in your your general like walking down the street, someone starts to accost you, you know, you pulling out a gun is going to be the surprise of their life. Yeah, you know. They might be able to take it from you, but most like most of the time they're probably going to run, you know, and we right. have surveys that people have done to try to study this in criminology. Um, but when you're talking about pulling out your gun to shoot your abusive, abusive boyfriend, mm-hmm. 
like the likelihood you're not going to be able to do it is much higher than someone you don't know on the street. Right. And the likelihood that they might have access to that gun, even if you don't think they do mm-hmm. is much higher and, and all yeah. of those things. And so again, it's, there's so many details on this that it's just like, what do you do? Right. Because, and that's the difficult thing is that we're talking about America, our country, mm-hmm. you know, 300 million privately held guns. Yes. And we talk about a country that lib- like America didn't exist before guns. It happened yeah. because of guns. Mm-hmm. We liberated ourselves from England using guns. When the country was splitting, we kept ourselves together using guns. And a big argument that people that I often see is that our founding fathers were Christian and that they mm-hmm. use and and so I don't know what what my response would be when somebody says you're God given right to own a gun. You're right. I that really bothers me. Because God <sighs> didn't give you the right to own guns. God doesn't want mm-hmm. you to own guns. God is okay with you owning guns. Let's mm. let's let's separate that. <laughs> right? Yeah. God is really okay with hairs, yeah. Right. God is okay yeah. with you owning guns. He doesn't want you to. That that right. that's a separate that's a separate thing. Don't say that God commands you to do it. Because he doesn't. Mm. You know? And yeah. and f- when fear is leading you, that's when you start mm-hmm. to lose focus on both sides. Yes. When God when God isn't telling you to throw away your guns. Stop telling us the st- the people who are nonviolent really mm-hmm. use that, and they need to stop. Yeah, you know because God isn't against guns. God isn't trying to stop us from owning guns, but also He's not telling you to go and buy a gun. Well, and and we shouldn't be encouraging the kind of mindset that elevates a trust in guns higher than we should have yeah right you know like if someone comes to my family i'm gonna know how to deal with it yeah but that shouldn't be my focus that's not where my heart is that's not going to be what my first initial like this is how i want to respond to the situation is Mm -hmm. um you know and i'm also you know going to be praying and like there's all these other things that it's like where's this on my list of priorities uh, as a person. And, um, we're coming a little bit, you know, pretty close to the end here. We actually came past, um, a point where, uh, Rob Shank was standing in front of the, um, Ila Vista, uh, UCSB shooting where that happened at the convenience store. Yeah. And that was kind of his coming out, uh, where he n- was nationally on camera saying something about guns. Um, and now he's saying that we should be putting on the armor and the film is moving along as well. Yeah. And, you know, again, a pithy, really great line that he says. Mm. We're, we're talking about how, like, yeah. you know, the NRA used pithy lines. And he said, don't let mm-hmm. the Second Amendment overshadow the Second Commandment. And <laughs> right. pow, oh, yeah. boom. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, yeah. So, it's well, I mean, I guess in a sense, what he's saying is, you know, don't bow down to idols. You've made this an idol, don't do that. But yeah. it, it does feel, 
especially when you have a, a real sense of what idols were in the ancient Near East uh-huh. uh, and how they were connected to people trying to bring the their their god or their spirit that they worshipped to themselves, and like it feels pretty shallow to use that logic when you're talking about guns. But I can see why people do it because there is a sense sometimes where people look at that and it's like, you know, this this is how I'm safe, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, again, you know, Israel. You know, some trust in chariots. We trust in the Lord our God, and yet Israel still went out to war with weapons. Like so, right? I, complicated. <laughs> which is an, yeah. Which is that that other verse? Did we bring that up in this episode? That in Exodus yeah. twenty two, it says oh, yeah. that if a, if if somebody breaks into your home and you mm-hmm. kill them, then yeah, that person will not have blood on their, you know, will not be. Uh, you know, they're not guilty of murder. I have it if you want me to read it. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, if a thief is caught in the act of breaking in and he's beaten to death, no one is guilty of bloodshed. But if this happens after sunrise, there is guilt of bloodshed. A thief must make full restitution. If he's unable, he's to be sold because of his theft. Um, and so uh, we talked about this a bit. And the way that I tend to kind of look at this is that the difference between nighttime and daytime is pretty simple. It's in daytime, you can you can see whether they're armed Mm -hmm. and you can tell usually a little bit more easily whether they are there for things or people in nighttime. You can't. Right. So to say that, that someone that is, you know, in their home with their family shouldn't be able to defend themselves is drawing the line in a, in a weird place at night when you, when like, I don't know, like you broke in my house at night. How am I supposed to know? Especially back then. It's not like they had flashlights, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Um, and so, you know, to me, the difference there is, is just, are you defending people or are you defending property? And that's another place that I, I think sometimes the law can be too lax and can encourage people to take steps that they really should be thinking through more as a Christian. Yeah. Um, because you know, Someone stepping over my property line is is not a good enough reason to shoot them. It's really not. Someone loading their TV in the back of their truck and getting ready to drive away, not a good enough reason to shoot them. (laughs) Right. There's no threat to me. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Taking taking a life is the last thing you should want. Like, the whole thing about Stand Your Ground is that it encourages you to defend yourself and take somebody's life. When... The idea is we should try to extricate ourselves from that situation. You know, try to avoid the situation. If you're a Christian, that's the last thing you should want. And it's really, really difficult, you know, when you're, you know, in that situation to, you know, it's easy to project ourselves into that situation and say, I will defend myself. When at the end of the day, we should not want that. We should avoid that. And mm-hmm. it really bothers me how much, you know, Christians put the, are the founding fathers on a pedestal as if they knew everything. And, yeah. you know, and America is God's country. It's one of mm-hmm. them. It's one of them. It's not. Yeah. We're putting too much focus on our country and our constitution. And we are mm-hmm. a global faith. We are a global yes. religion that spans before America and after America. It's not mm-hmm. about America. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about the Founding Fathers. It's not about the Second Amendment. It's mm-hmm. 
you know, our, and I, I keep going back to this. Every sin Israel, well, no, now, now I'm, now I'm exaggerating. But when Israel, <laughs> when yeah, when Israel commanded a king, it was out of fear. Mm-hmm. When they yeah. allied themselves with evil nations, it was out of fear. They made a lot of bad decisions out of fear, and they, you know, they worshipped other gods because they wanted those mm-hmm. gods to protect them. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's it, it's really it's really disheartening to see how many Christians are so passionate about owning weapons. And so when it's... And here we come to the credits. (laughs) And here we come to the credits. Uh, And we're not anywhere closer to to solving this issue. I wanted to bring this up because of the two mass shootings that just happened. Mm -hmm. And I I felt it was a need to talk about this because it, it, you know, more often... It had happened more. It happens more often when, you know, something big happens when, like, a mass shooting happens. I see mm-hmm. Christians jumping to defending guns, yeah, on social media. And is that the image we want to have? You know, mm. it's, it's, um, yeah. It's. I just one more point of kind of context with the film. At the very end, they were showing Lucy giving a speech uh, with "Moms Demand Action." So oh, right. that was kind of where where she ended up going in terms of taking you know practical steps to try to be involved as an activist, mm-hmm. uh, coming under that umbrella. Uh, and they, I believe, they started uh, as a response to Sandy Hook, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, that was one of you know just kind of the closing of the film is that her speech and then her and Rob praying together. Um, and kind of trying to show this coming together of like, well, maybe even though we don't agree on abortion, we can come together on gun control. It's kind of where the director seems to to want to take that. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as mass shootings, I think personally what what I see with that is that most of the time what you end up having is pretty one-sided responses to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just kind of tired of that. Yeah. Um, I've I've studied enough kind of on, on the, both the the tactical side of things and on on the statistical side of things mm-hmm. to look at it and and realize like I think most of what happens with mass shootings is an equilibrium problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have it; it's too easy for somebody that really shouldn't have guns to get them. Yeah. Um, and and oftentimes there are massive red flags if we were just paying attention in the right places to figure that out. Right. Um, but then on the flip side, there are a lot of places where um, it, it's actually, you know, fairly restricted for people to, to carry guns too. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you end up having is you have um, a shooter that can go out and buy something that then goes to a place where carry, you know, general people carrying with a permit is, is restricted. So they're pretty sure, like if they don't see uniforms around, they're probably going to have free reign for a while. Right. And that's the kind of thing that mass shootings tend to be. Uh, for the most part, it, it's it happens more in areas where carry is restricted, and um, and that's to me that means that the the solution on this, um, for one, outside of just like actually saving souls and changing hearts and minds, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I think that's a huge part of the the solution to this. Um, 
you know, we also, I think we need to talk about policies that can make it harder for people that really shouldn't have guns to have them. That's why I do think we need to have better reporting from states on mental health, why we do need to try to not only make it so that the background checks happen more universally, but they're better. Um, but then the flip side of that is, is uh, personally, I, I think a lot of the laws that, that try to restrict carry um, can be counterproductive, at least for that particular circumstance. Um, there are ways that they can make the other things easier. And so that's a whole other part of the conversation too. Yeah. Um, but you see um, in White Settlement, Texas, the church shooting that happened a couple years ago now, I think it was December uh, 2019, I think. Um, so a little more in a year. Um, that one was really interesting because we have it on tape. Um, and I say interesting. It's horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. Don't watch it if you're not, you know, if you're interested in this topic and you're looking for first on this kind of thing, oh, can, it can be I'm interesting. Sorry. But please, it's it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, because it cut out on you. Uh, if you're looking for. Oh, okay. Can you say that? Oh, again? if you're looking for a firsthand, if you're looking for firsthand uh, viewpoint on what happens when there is a shooting mm -hmm. and people respond to it, um, I think it can be. It it it's good data for that. Yeah. Um, it's horrible. It's horrifying. Thankfully, it's like a camera way in the distance, so you don't really see. You know, it's not graphic in that way. But I mean, it really does show the the moment that three people were sent on their way. Yeah. You know, whether they, they took a while or, uh, in the hospital or not, that was what ended their life. Um, and that one, it, what you see there is you see both tropes that people will pull up. Mm -hmm. You see the church security guard that takes like 10 years to pull out his gun and gets mm -hmm. killed. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the one that people on the left are going to ju jump onto. Like, see, good guy with a gun couldn't do it. Doesn't work. Right. And then two seconds later, you have the security guy that was able, did pull out fast enough, makes a 41-foot headshot, which is, trust me, not easy, um, and ends it. it, right? You know, <laughs> so it's like in the same instance, you have both a good example of where it doesn't work and where it does work at the same time. And that's in a church, which raises a whole bunch of other questions about carry and guns yeah. and Christians and churches. And, you know, um, so again complicated and um i don't think we can look for, look at a simple answer to the to issues like mass shootings and gun homicides and gun suicides um and treat them all kind of in the same category i really do think we need to be doing more to look at those different pieces of things and saying what can we do here what can we do here what can we do here because they are very different situations yeah because again i think a lot of uh, you know memes i show i see are mm. you know this you know, this mass shooting, AR-15, this mass shooting, AR-15, AR-15, yeah. AR-15, AR-15. Mass shootings are the least number of of gun yeah. deaths in America. By far. By yeah. far. The number one yeah. cause is, like, gang violence and suicide and, you know, and domestic violence. And so to ban the AR-15 isn't going to solve the issue. At yeah. the same time... That it's almost like if we're going to talk about mass shootings, that's a that's not a gun issue, that's a separate mm. issue, and therefore I, I I do think it is when you're talking about universal background checks. Personally, oh no, but, yeah, 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 sure, sure, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But that's what I mean is that if we're going yeah. to talk about mass shootings, let's let's talk about that on a different 
on a different level. Let, let's not talk yeah. about that when it comes to banning guns or changing gun laws or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's look at that separately because the AR-15 is an incredibly effective tool to killing the most people in the least yeah. amount of time. So let's mm-hmm. look at that, not so much as like part of this discussion, but as mm-hmm. a separate thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's, yeah, it gets, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it gets, well, and it, so, I mean, other things that kind of make it this complicated, right? So, um, mass shootings don't happen very often. Uh, they tend to be, you know, people that really shouldn't be getting them in the first place. Right. They go to somewhere where most people aren't armed. There's a whole thing on that. Um, when you're talking about suicides and homicides, there's a lot of differences there, too. And how yeah. do you look at that? What do you do there? Because um, something that's a solution for one part of this problem might be causing a problem somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. um, for instance, with suicides, like one of the things people will do is put waiting periods in because they figure... If you're suicidal now, you may not be in five days or 10 days, right? right? If right. you're homicidal now because it's a crime of passion kind of thing, they don't want you to just go into a store, buy a gun, and go kill someone, right? right. Um, so um, I can see that making sense in, 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 in those kinds of situations. It also makes it more complicated for a woman that has a stalker or uh, in, to, to get a gun to protect herself in the immediate she right. might be killed in that t- those 10 days, right? Yeah. And, and I know people that have been killed by their stalkers. It's not just a, a make-believe thing. You know, yeah. like, it's real. Uh, and so how do we come up with, with policies that, that, you know, really can aim well at these variety of situations? It's a hard question, and we have to ask kind of all those situations together and separately to, to really kind of come up with something that works well. The other thing is that suicide tends to be mostly a rural thing. It's mm-hmm. mostly middle-aged white men. Right. Um, and homicide is, the numbers are, are fairly even when you look between, um, essentially between whites and blacks. Um, you, you're going to see about the same number of homicides every year. The thing that makes that really sad mm-hmm. and heartbreaking, it, not only just like the sheer number, because there's a lot, right? We wanted, yeah. we want to cut that number down no matter what. Yeah. Um, but Blacks make up a lot less of the population mm-hmm. and they're victims in homicide a lot more. Yeah. Um, and you know, how do we deal with the urban young? Uh, like, it's like, I feel like there's a solution that works for your middle-aged white men in <laughs> in rural areas may be different from one that works for no, your urban young black men. And a lot of that has nothing to do with guns. But I don't think we can just set aside the gun conversation either, right? So yeah, it, because yeah. The, the, and like again, the movie's been over for a while, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we're talking about a forty-five-year-old man, you know, man with no priors is yeah. you know is much less likely to kill somebody than a nineteen-year-old kid with with a criminal record, you know. Right. So there you have number one. But that nineteen-year-old doesn't go to a store, right? Exactly. So, right. per, so maybe hard maybe end person to person purchases, you know, gun show loophole things, you know, straw purchases, maybe, you know, and then universal background checks. All of that could lower the amount of those gun homicides 
that aren't mass shootings because every that's the one that draws focus. And mm-hmm. so it's yeah, it's it, but again, yeah. It 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 is like for me the biggest the, the most disappointing thing is the Christian thing, the heart issue. Yes. The heart yes. issue like when Christians and, and you see not just like how Christians approach it but even how they'll talk with each other about it. Yeah. Like the amount of disrespect and even vitriol I've seen is right. pretty amazing. Like fear, I think, is such a big thing in Christianity right now. And that is the mm-hmm. most dangerous thing. It's like it doesn't bother me if a if a you know if a non Christian person is arguing about guns. <laughs> but when mm-hmm. a Christian starts passionately defending guns, that's when it's like really bothers me. Because yeah. you they we have a different approach to it. We have to do things that the average person doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a regular person doesn't have to love their enemy. We do, though. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the problem is that we, you know, the average person doesn't have to, you know, follow. Like, they they can let fear control their hearts. Yeah. We can't. We have to mm-hmm. be against that. We have to, you know, mm-hmm. let other things, you know, overcome our our decision making and mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I honestly do think that in Christianity there's a really big heart problem when it comes to guns mm-hmm. guns are a problem yeah. in Christianity because of the faith thing because of the heart thing because of the fear thing and that's what really bothers me mm. so <sighs> <laughs> We might be running out of steam. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I I I I hope that this movie helps on some level. Mm. I when you're watching this movie, if you have been if you did watch this movie, don't you know, don't have a preconceived notion. Don't have this, you know, mm-hmm. idea because again, Rob Shank, the pastor, wasn't trying to change policy. He just mm-hmm. wanted to come to Christians and say, how are we viewing this issue? What is happening in your heart? You know, he didn't want to change laws. He just wanted to talk to Christians directly about guns. And I think the filmmaker had a different point of view, but that's fine because Mm. we at least got his perspective on it. So, Well, and, you know, I think the hard questions are the the hard ones, you know, and they're the ones that we need to ask. And I hope uh, in this episode, you know, if, if you have a really strong opinion on this, uh, one way or the other, that you, you've been challenged a little bit, you've been encouraged a bit, and um, that you're really, you know, especially just thinking through um, the hard parts of, of our hearts and, yeah. and what that looks like and what it looks like to love your enemies, uh, yeah. you know, in a world that's that's not very nice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what it looks like to be focused on on the mission the church has in, in spreading the gospel. Yeah. Um, and And have those be your primary things. And then, you know, how does this fit in? Where does it fit in? That becomes the the question. It's not, I'm defined by the fact that I'm an American first or a gun owner first, um, but I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. And yeah. that has to be the primary thing. All those other things then have to fit somewhere underneath it or fall away. Exactly. When, you know, when you're talking about guns on the internet, because that's another big thing, how are you <laughs> going to present yourself? Because, yeah. you know... The, 
that's almost matters more. And like you said, the gospel issue is the, is the big thing. So, yeah, I mean, like if I, if I jump into a a discussion with friends that disagree with me on this issue and I'm just a jerk, (laughs) like they probably wouldn't have listened to me when I would tell them the gospel anyways, but they're a lot less likely to now. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. Yeah. If you're arguing about guns, then are you going to, why, then, you know, don't, don't come at it as a Christian. Like if you're a Christian, like separate that, have a different discussion because yeah, it's, Mm. it's, it's really what people see matters and they don't have the big perspective behind us when it comes to the internet because yeah, that's a, it's a difficult thing that to, to focus on there. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's hard to navigate for sure. So there you go. Let, let's <laughs> uh, let's end it now because we're just <laughs> you know I think yep like we're going to ramble for <laughs> right. So there you go. Uh, Tending our nets podcast, really wonderful podcast. Check that one out. And mm-hmm. so I hope that we at least you know, let, you know I don't know made you think yeah a little differently about this. Don't don't go to your Bible for proof texting. Think it through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't 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 take a verse and then say, well, that solves it. That's, let's yeah. let's look at the context of what 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 it's trying to say. All day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, All right. anyways, thank you guys for listening, and thanks for being here, Joshua. Absolutely. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Commentarians podcast a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.